welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two. I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. I love holidays, celebrations, and important calendar events. And this love has grown over the years to the point that these special events are a major part of my year. Now, I've tried to pull together various literature, hadith, du'ats, etc. regarding all of these special days. So this Islamic year, and at the time of this recording, I'm referencing the year 1440, I will do my best to compile these notes and suggestions per event and upload an episode that can be used as a reference guide. So I pray for infinite blessings and happiness for all of these events, for all of you. Take care. So for the practicing Muslim, for the believer, Ramadan is really the biggest opportunity we have all year. Except for those that end up going on to Hajj. But you know, you don't go to Hajj every year. Most people don't. So really Ramadan is the peak of the season. It's the peak of your season with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why we always get excited, we always get happy, we anticipate it, we prepare for it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for a whole host of reasons. But this is the greatest reset opportunity that we have vis-a-vis our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, when we talk about Ramadan, we usually begin with the verse of Ramadan in Surah Al-Baqarah. تتقون, o you who believe, fasting has, is prescribed for you as it has been prescribed on the people before you. There is no religious tradition in the history of mankind except that fasting is, there is some kind of fasting in the religion. Some kind of fasting. Not the same type of fasting, but there is some concept of I have to give up something that is usually okay to take for another reward. What is the reward? Allah says, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you can achieve, understand, taste, experience, embody this concept that we call taqwa. Awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything we need to know about fasting is in this verse. One, Allah reminds us that any tradition of belief, of practice, religion has to have this as part of its spiritual practice. Like prayer, the Prophet said there is no good in a religion or in a deen, in a tradition in which there is no prayer. Likewise, fasting, this concept of giving up what we usually are allowed to take. Why? For this thing called taqwa. We believe that we are made up of body, al-jasad, soul, 
ruh and self, nafs. The body is the physical body. The soul is, we can think of it, the battery that gives life to the body. And in that we are the same with all living creatures. All living creatures, you know, insects, animals, they have a body and they have a soul. But we have something extra, we have this thing called the self, the nafs. And it is the nafs, it is the self that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses through revelation. And it is the nafs that our task is to try to increase and improve it. And that's what the Qur'an refers to as the different levels of the self. And nafsul ammara bisu, the self that calls to bad actions, and nafsul lawama, the self that is blameworthy, etc., etc., which is another topic you know, we can talk about later. Now, these three are together. And the soul and the self are in the body. How exactly? We're not exactly entirely sure, you know, exactly what it looks like. But we know that there's a connection. When we eat and we drink, we are feeding our body. But in a way, we are starving our nafs. When we fast, we reverse that. We starve the body for a period of time. But it is the feast of our nafs of our soul. We are giving nourishment to that. And that's why the result of that fasting is this idea of taqwa, is awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, sometimes when you overeat or you have a heavy meal, what happens afterwards? You get a little drowsy, right? And you want to, so you're sort of, you're subduing yourself. Right? But when you fast, even though you, you feel physically hungry, Inside you, you, you feel something different. You feel light. You feel creative. You feel happy. You feel excitement. You feel joy. You feel a sort of clarity between you and your creator. And then when you add devotional practices that, like recitation of the Qur'an or praying taraweeh, you get more out of that than you usually get out of. And by the end of the month, you kind of find yourself saying to yourself, I could do this all the time. I could do this all year long. Or why don't I fast more? Or why don't I do more of this? This is what taqwa is. And the fasting is a tool and is a mechanism to allow us to experience that. To teach us that sometimes we have to reduce things that are permissible. There's nothing wrong with food and drink. There's nothing wrong with sleep. There's nothing wrong with you know, being with people. But we have found historically that when you reduce some of these things, you, you work on your inside, your inner, you do the hard work of, of self-cleaning. And this is what we call taqwa, awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as we begin the month of Ramadan, I think it's really, really important that we understand this concept, that we really need this. Rather than, oh, we're going to fast tomorrow, and oh, you know, I have to give up caffeine, and oh, how am I going to go to school, or how am I going to go to work, or I have an exam, or I have a this, or I have a that. You know, yeah, we have all of those things. But imagine our nafs, ourself, telling us this all year round. That we're not giving our soul, our heart, a chance to breathe all year round. But this is the one time that we have a focused opportunity to experience those things and yeah it's a little tough there's no doubt about it we get hungry which is the point we get thirsty which is the point but we know that at the end of the day we get to break our fast and that's why the prophet he said the fasting person they have two joys 
you know, the joy, right, when you break, you know, when you write, when you break your fast, you're like, man, I, I did it, alhamdulillah. You know, I had that water or that date or that sip of tea or juice or whatever it is. You, it's, the, <laughs> it's so simple, but it's the happiest moment of your life, you know, that you get to break your fast. And then the Prophet reminds us, you will have another happiness like that when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because to do this act of giving up what is normally permissible, it is such a great act of devotion that Allah tells us that every act that we do of, of devotion is for us, for our personal benefit, except fasting, it belongs to Allah, and only Allah will reward for it. As the Prophet told us in the hadith. Except fasting. Fasting belongs to Allah. It's something nobody knows who's fasting except Allah. Because when you see somebody, you don't, you don't know if they're fasting or not. You don't, you don't usually walk around with a sandwich and a drink in your hand all the time. So you don't know if the person is fasting or not. Maybe they look like they're fasting, but when they're by themselves, they eat or they drink. You don't know. But when we pray, we see each other praying. But not the fasting. No one really knows who's fasting. I might be sick and I can't fast, but I don't want to show you that I'm not fasting because I don't want to you know, mess up your flow. So I, I, I'll just take my medicine and my water when no one is looking, which is fine, which is usually how Muslims that have to break their fast, how they break their fast. And that's one of the secrets is we don't really know who's the fasting person. And if you understand that, then you understand that fasting is not just simply, I'm not going to eat and drink. That's just the beginning. Fasting is much more than that. Because the Prophet ﷺ told us the person will fast throughout the day, meaning they won't eat and drink. But they'll curse this person and they'll curse that person and they'll lie to this person and they'll lie to that person. And then at the end of the day when they break their fast, all they gained is that they were hungry and thirsty. Meaning they missed the point. The point is taqwa. What is taqwa? Is to have this understanding and awareness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is present watching us. And therefore... I don't want to mess up. I don't want to fast, not eat and drink, but then lie. I don't want to fast, not eat and drink, and then curse. I don't want to fast, meaning I don't eat and drink, but I steal. It's not going to work. I've defeated the person. There's no taqwa in that. So the, the fast, the physical fast, allows us to have that inner fast in which we try to reduce our bad habits our bad characters, traits, you know, things that we shouldn't say, things that we shouldn't see, things that we shouldn't hear, etc. That's how we arrive at this idea of taqwa. So what are three practical things that can help us in this transition from, you know, not Ramadan to Ramadan? Just three. The first one is tawbah. As we begin the fast, we should really individually turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask for his forgiveness. A general tawbah. An acknowledgement that we have been given so much, we have been given so many blessings, we have been given so many opportunities, but we have not used them all in the way that they should be used. That's what tawbah is. You know, Allah, I acknowledge that you have given me so, I, I am drowning in your blessings, but I am not living up to your expectations that I can be better than the way I am now because this is the greatest opportunity you have to turn the chapter in a new chapter in the book between you and God this is how you have an opportunity to turn 
a, a new leaf, to have a new opportunity. And the Prophet ﷺ reminded us, The person who makes tawbah, it's as if they have not sinned at all. So when you make tawbah, it's over. Don't think about what you did in the past. And tawbah is so important that Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَمَنْ لَمْ يَتُبْ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ That if you do not make tawbah, you are a wrongdoer. You have wronged yourself. You have harmed yourself by not returning. You have harmed others by not returning. You have harmed the society around you for not returning. Meaning that you sin and you continue to sin, which we, which we can't help but do because we are human. But we are unjust to ourselves. You know, somebody who's unhealthy and the doctor says, you know, don't eat this type of food. Because if you do, you'll die. And then they continue eating that type of food. We'll say that that person is unjust to himself. It's the same thing with the idea of tawbah. We're going to sin. The Prophet said, all people will sin. The best of sinners are those that constantly turn to Allah. Tawab means to constantly turn. Not a ta'ib who turns once, but tawab constantly goes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So begin Ramadan with tawbah. Sincerely, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter where you are, consider this an opportunity that the first night of Ramadan, Maghrib comes in, we're going to fast tomorrow, it's the first day. You know, pray two rakahs and ask Allah for total forgiveness. This is the time to do that. I mean, it's a tremendous benefit. It's so easy. It's not going to take you more than five, six minutes. But in that act of purity, you will emerge with this, you know, refreshing feeling. And you wouldn't have even started fasting. You're just, you're, 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 we're just, this is how we begin. Because this is the month of forgiveness. We, we want to emerge, inshallah, better than we started. Second thing is that this is the month of the Qur'an. As Allah tells us, this is the month of the Qur'an in which the Qur'an was revealed in the beginning and which the Qur'an was concluded by its uh, review of the Prophet ﷺ twice with Gabriel السلام, in the final year of his life, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is the time where we need to dedicate more of our attention to the Qur'an. Read the Qur'an. Listen to the Qur'an. Think about the Qur'an. Even look at the Qur'an. You know, you can go online and you can find pictures of manuscripts. And looking at the Qur'an itself is a form of ibadah. So if you're so lazy and so tired and, you know, caffeine withdrawal... Just go online and, you know, Qur'an manuscript images and just, you know, scroll through all of these images of the Qur'an. Look at the detail, the attention that our ancestors gave to writing down this book. Not just the script, but the art, the illumination, the illumination of the pages. Look at how they wrote this. How much time must have taken that scribe to make that one page of the Qur'an. Surround yourself with the Qur'an. Even if you don't understand uh, completely, at least listen to its beautiful recitation. Listen to somebody commenting on the Qur'an in a language that you understand. Even if you read the translation of the Qur'an. Qur'an, Qur'an, Qur'an. This is the month of the Qur'an. Imam Malik radiallahu anhu, you know, the Imam of Medina, you know, a, a master of hadith and a master of fiqh, all of the, his students, when it came time to Ramadan, he put all of the books away, all of the lessons away, and it was just the Qur'an. So this is the time to reconnect with the Qur'an. Reconnect with the Qur'an. Again, in, in, in all of your senses, 
hold it, see it, say it, listen to it. I mean, I guess you can't eat it, but that's the one sense that doesn't work. But you know what I'm saying is just get into the Qur'an as much as you can. So if you're driving to work or to school, you know, add just five minutes. I'm going to listen to something on YouTube or SoundCloud or something. I'm just going to listen to a track of the Qur'an. It could be as simple as that. Before you break your fast, have the Qur'an playing in the background. As I said, you, you, you're, you're too tired, you're kind of zoned out, you really can't do anything constructive. Look at some of the images of the Qur'an. But infuse yourself, you know, let, let soak in the power of the Qur'an. And then the third and final lesson, which is maybe a little bit more me, but I think of Ramadan and fasting as a time to reconnect with nature. Because you're consuming less during the day, I, I somehow find myself being more grounded and more able to observe the world around me. And I see that this is an opportunity for us to become closer with the world in which Allah has created us. And I'm reminded of the hadith narrated by Tabarani in which the Prophet said, be mindful of your treatment of the earth for it is your mother. So even the Prophet called earth mother earth because we have come from earth as Allah says. You know, Allah has caused us to come from the earth, will allow us to return to the earth, and will resurrect us from the earth, taratan ukhra, another time. So when the Prophet referred to it as our mother, meaning that we come from, this is we've come from the earth, we are made up of the components that the earth is made up of. And we will return to that. And in the Arabic language, the vessel that holds the child, the womb in the mother, is called a rahim. And the rahim is related to the word rahmah, mercy. Because it is the mercy of the mother, the mercy of that womb that the child is allowed to grow. So if the Prophet also referred to the earth as our mother, then where is our mercy vis-a-vis -vis the earth around us? So a lot of times, unfortunately, in a lot of Muslim communities around the world, Ramadan is a time of great waste. You know, plastic bottles and trash and uneaten food or overeating at night. There are, I know there are people that gain weight, immense amount of weight during Ramadan. There are people, you know, it's very few, but I have even heard of people that die from overeating in Ramadan. Where is the rahmah vis-a-vis -vis the earth in that? You know, we don't want our footprint to increase in Ramadan. And about footprints, Allah Ta'ala says, وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنًا وَإِذَا خَاتَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِرُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا The servants of the merciful one, they walk softly on earth. Softly. And when ignorant people speak to them, they say peace. Right? So this is a time for us to, to go back to those natural states and to think about our relationship with our collective mother, the earth, and what we have done to it and what we can do to it, and how we relate to it. Because Allah says, الْمِزَانِ In Surah Al-Rahman, He has created this environment for us in balance. And therefore, having taklif, having moral responsibility, our job is to preserve that balance, the balance of nature, the balance of the environment. So for me personally, when I'm fasting, this is, I, I find myself reflecting more around the world around me. I guess because we're waiting, you know, for Maghrib to come, so we sort of we're thinking about, you know, looking outside and, 
you're looking at the times and thinking about what Fajr time looks like and what Maghrib time looks like. Oh, has the sun gone down? So you're kind of looking out more. And this is one of our forms of worship. The people that reflect and contemplate on the heavens and the earth. So make the environment and nature part of your practice in the month of Ramadan, inshallah. So I'm going to leave it there. Ramadan Mubarak to everybody.